Hey, what's up? This is Bill Burr, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Um, keep listening, because if you're like me, you have nothing better to do. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape reporter. Coming up, Sean Patton on the future of comedy. I mean, comedy is everywhere, all facets of it. I mean, and it's, it's, it's great, you know, it's great in the sense that, like, the national eye is on it, but it only means that the second comedy bust is on its way, too. We'll hear more from Sean in just a bit. Speaker of the House John Boehner skypes in. We'll hear another track from the Tigers CD. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Myla de Blessio is being hailed as Calvin Klein's first ever plus-size model. The only problem with this assertion, de Blessio is a size 10, whereas plus models usually start a little further up the scale. However, being a size 10 means de Blessio stands out, whereas her fellow models vanish in profile. The European Space Agency landed a probe on a comet this past Wednesday, a first in space exploration and the climax of a 10-year odyssey. But an anchoring system problem may hamper planned investigations into the origins of Earth and the solar system. More proof that European socialism doesn't work! Ted Cruz this week claimed that net neutrality, championed finally by the president, is merely Obamacare for the internet. We don't need the internet running at the speed of government, said Cruz. Thankfully for the Texas senator, there has been no proposal for nut neutrality. Already a lightning rod for overhauling collective bargaining for state public employees, newly re-elected Republican Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin is working on a plan for drug testing for people seeking unemployment checks and food stamps. He said, quote, if you want our help, we'll help you out temporarily, but we expect that you're going to find a job and we're going to help you find a job, he said. We're not going to pay you, but we're going to help you find one. Texas wages war with the LGBT community. That's right, lawmakers are now working on a new proposal that would allow any business to fire LGBT employees and turn away LGBT customers, according to Think Progress. No word on whether Texas will take action against beers and steers. Kansas will face a $279 million budget shortfall by July, far worse than state officials had thought before a new revenue forecast Monday that will force Governor Sam Brownback and legislators to consider spending cuts. The state will also be required to close an even bigger gap of $436 million during the following 12 months according to the new forecast. Brownback was re-elected two weeks ago, apparently buoyed by a wave of nostalgia for the Dust Bowl years. And finally, ever been to a game at CenturyLink Field in Seattle and thought your beer didn't taste quite right? Your taste buds didn't deceive you because it turns out the Seahawks have been watering down their beverages. Team officials dispute this, claiming that it's just hard to keep the rain out of the beer. And that's been Fake News with me. So the midterms were two weeks ago, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. But of course, uh, there was a drubbing for the Democrats, and uh, a lot of people were surprised by that. I wasn't. Uh, it, you know, it's the midterms. You always vote against the, you know, the party of the administration that's in the White House. So you know, it, no big surprise there. And this is just what the GOP does. They they get their base out, which people said, well, that wasn't the reason, but it really was. And they're very very good at getting people to vote against their own economic interests, particularly in local races. So. Um, well, hold on. Let me just grab this real quick. Hello? BF, Speaker of the House and your Congressman John Boehner speaking. Oh, hello, Speaker Boehner. Uh, and uh, we've been through this before. You're not my Congressman. Brad Wenstrup is. I live a few miles over uh, in the 8th District. Well, either way, you're my bitch now, PF. Uh, uh, wait, what? You heard me. 
You and all of your tree-hugging pinko friends. We've got control of both houses of Congress now. Yeah, I was, uh, well, like I was just saying, I wasn't really surprised by that, but I, I kind of was in a way. Wow, so? Well, you lot successfully got Democrats to distance themselves from the president, even though unemployment is down, the stock market is up, and millions who didn't have affordable health care before have now got it. Yeah, we did it all without saying Benghazi. Indeed, you did contain yourselves on that one. Very well done. Yeah, we're saving that one for 2016, BF, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, well, the thing that surprised me most, though, was that across the country, all kinds of progressive ballot initiatives won, like hikes in the minimum wage, gun control, legalizing pot, yet people elected representatives that will block those very things. I don't get it. It's very simple, PF. People are concerned about the minimum wage and guns and the environment. Yes, they are. But it's very stressful to worry about all those things, so people like the folks that tell them not to worry about it. The planet's getting warmer and may one day be rendered uninhabitable. Uh, no, it's not. Done. Out of sight, out of mind. Uh, what about, like, minimum wage and income disparity? Easy. There is no income disparity, and there's no need for a minimum wage. If anything, rich people don't have enough money to create jobs. Those thieves making my Big Mac Valley meal are siphoning it all off. Okay, well, what about things like Ebola? Oh, you do have to worry about that as long as President Obama is in office. But currently there aren't any active cases of it in the U.S., and there were only three uh, overall. We're all gonna die, P.F. How? How, how is that gonna happen? Well, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I heard Steve Ducci on Fox and Friends say that. He looks pretty smart. Okay, Mr. Speaker, I really don't think we're uh, getting anywhere. Well, sure, of course not, because I'm winning. Yeah, I'm sure you are. How do you know, PF? You're not a scientist. Uh, no, I'm not, Mr. Speaker. You are correct in that assumption, and, and neither are you. Damn right. Well, I'm glad we got that settled. I must be off. Hey, folks, remember this? Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. And don't forget to check out our collection of defunct teams from such leagues as the American Basketball Association, the World Hockey Association, the World Football League, and many more at homeshirts.com. Sean Patton is a stand-up comedian originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. He now splits his time between Los Angeles and New York. He's the co-host of Best Bars in America on the Esquire Network, and he makes loads of TV appearances as well. Here now is your interview with Sean Patton. Hey, joining us on BS Tape Recorder, it's Sean Patton. Sean, how you doing? I'm alive and well, my friend. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. You're a busy man. Uh, I, you said last week you were uh, on the set of something or other, uh, so we were having trouble getting this back <clears throat> together. But um, so, what what were you working on? Oh man, um, there's another comedian and I named Jay Larson. You know Jay? I've heard of Jay. I have not interviewed Jay before. Uh, Jay, wonderful guy, great comedian. Uh, 
we're shooting a show for the Esquire Network because Esquire, I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. Like realize, yeah, they have, and uh, so there's a TV network now. Um, it's called Best Bars in America. So we're just traveling around the country, going to bars and shooting at them, getting drunk on camera, basically. Um, and the work days are like 15 hour days. So, you know, it was, it was stressful for a while, but we wrapped the shoot. We did 10 episodes. It airs June 25th. Okay. Yeah. The Esquire so, network was, uh, they, they bought somebody, uh, and turned it into the Esquire network. I can't remember who they bought. G4. That's right. They bought, they bought G4 then, then, but G4 still exists. Um, oh, okay. And they're now, yeah. So they they kept it for all the nerds out there. For all the, it's kind of funny because all because at this point, nerd, the term nerd could it could be either Esquire man or G four. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You see so many self proclaimed nerds, and it's like you're a nerd. Nerds don't have lat muscles like you have. It's it's ridiculous, but it's a great network, I think. And G four, I'm glad it's still around. Well, yeah, and Esquire, of course, is that's got a, a nice, uh, nice brand equity behind it. Mm, yeah, yeah, they do, they do. Um, it's just funny because they hired Jay and I to host the show on their network. You know, it's like Jay. I mean, Jay, Jay's got his, you know, his, his, his together. He's got a, he's got a wife and kid, and he's a very well dressed guy naturally. But then me, I, I'm still questioning because it's like you <laughs> want me to host the show on your network? I mean, thank you, but. You see me, right? You can visually see me. You can look at me and see that I am not the most Esquire of gents. I guess they're uh, I guess they're branching out to fudge you guys. With <laughs> well, but you, I mean, you're a, a respected comedian, and you, you know, you pr- probably know a lot about things that are in the same wheelhouse as the average Esquire reader, I would imagine. I mean, but things like the wheel, <clears throat> yeah. But it, I'm, I'm the part, and I'm the room in the wheelhouse that people only go into to like smoke, you know, weed to keep everyone else from knowing they're in there smoking weed. And, you know, like, that's where they keep all the nudie mags. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, which I'm, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm, it's an honor to do, but at the same time, it's like, I'm still, like, I have to go back to L.A. next week for a photo shoot for Esquire the magazine, and it's like, Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> wow. Um, give me a good spit shine. There you go. Uh, well, that's fine. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sorry, so that's taking up most of your time then, uh, apart from touring, of course. Are you uh, involved in any other projects? Well, that's been the last seven weeks of my life. Um, and the problem there is like, you know, um, I've got, I got to do a couple festivals during that seven weeks. Uh, I got to do uh, Moon Tower and Bridgetown, and that was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I haven't, yeah, those are, I mean, those are two of the best, two of the better, fest, I mean, two of the best festivals in the country, hands down. Um, but, I haven't been able to really focus on stand up as much as I like to normally. <clears throat> so that ended last week and now it's like, well, I'm in New York now and when I'm not on the road, I'm just here focusing back on stand up cuz I mean, I some comedians and I and I really envy them in a way. <clears throat> they can it seems like they can walk away from it for a while like or you know, focus on something else for a little while. And then come right back to it and just pick up where they left off. Oh yeah. I feel yeah. I felt like I've gotten a little rusty in the past couple of uh, weeks. But you know, just last night I got to New York and did some sets, and I'm, I'm I'm getting back into it. By the time I'm at Acme, 
in a couple of weeks. I'll be at I'll be at full speed again. Yeah, well, I think it's that way with, with anything because I was a broadcaster for a long time, didn't do anything really like it for a while, and then I started doing this. I noticed going back and listening. I thought, man, I'm I'm like really mush mouthed. I jumble words together, and it's well, we're 100. This will be like episode 151, 152, and I still am doing that, although less than I did back at episodes five and six. But it's you know, you yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. to stick to your knitting, I guess. Forty something, yeah. <laughs> um, now, last time we spoke, I mean, we did this discussion, and I wanted to kind of explore for the podcast listener. You're originally from New Orleans. Yes. Yes. yes I am. And uh, you tried starting a, a comedy, uh, getting into comedy there, but the, I guess there wasn't as big a comedy scene. Is it because uh, New Orleans is more of like a general entertainment town? Because you know, a lot of musicians move there. Nine Inch Nails moved there. Uh, and yeah. is it, so does the comedy get overshadowed, or is it just uh, what? What do you think the uh, the stopping point was there? Well, I can say this. Uh, I mean, I started there in 2001, and uh, and and wow, 2001, we say like that. And but you know, I say back then. I mean, yeah, New Orleans is such an entertaining city. You know, the, the music, the the food. I mean, visually, like I was there, we were there a couple weeks ago shooting an episode for the Esquire show, oh, shooting cool. at bars in New Orleans. And Jay, my co-host, had never been to New Orleans, and he was just like, how is this, like, are we even in the United States? I feel like we're in, uh, like, another time in Europe. It's, it's a very... Oh, yeah, yeah, I've visually, heard that. Yeah, just visually beautiful city. And just, you know, the people, you know, it's a southern sort of charm to that city where you don't have to really do anything. You just go and walk around and have drinks and go to cafes and go to bars and go to restaurants and you're entertained out of your mind just by the people there. So for the longest time, you know, comedy wasn't really, you know, a, a priority for the city. And, but now, I mean, the comedy scene in New Orleans now is great. It's unbelievable. It's like you can do, there are shows every night. Um, there's a comedy theater there. You know, that's only for, uh, you know, stand, they do stand-up sketch and improv, but it's only for comedy, and that that's awesome. And, you know, um, there's so many comedians. I meet comedians in other cities who are like, oh, yeah, I'm moving to New Orleans. Oh. And, I, and I, I'm like, oh, really? Thank you. That's awesome. Good. <laughs> Please go. And yeah. for comedy, and there's just so much going on there. And the fact that, like, you know, Hollywood is basically set up there as a satellite, they shoot so many movies and TV shows there now. So there are a lot of working like crew who are there, who are oh. from LA and from New York. And when they're off, they're like, ah, yeah, I like comedy. Cause I'm from a city where comedies where comedy was a thing. So they'll go see shows. And then like, you know, there's a, the, the huge college population in, oh, that's and right. It's not like a, right, right. But the schools in new Orleans, Loyola, UNO and Tulane, they aren't really like, sports-centric schools, you know? It's a lot of liberal arts. Yeah. You know, a lot of... So, like, those kids are like, oh, yeah, comedy shows. And now you've got... Now it's like a destination city. So the comedy scene there now is thriving. It's just a beautiful thing to see. <clears throat> but that's also everywhere in the country, too. I mean, I firmly believe we are right now in the in the midst of the second comedy boom. I mean, it's everywhere. You may so, be correct. Yeah, we have a big um, our funniest person in Cincinnati contest coming up. Uh, I think it actually started this week, and they usually just run it on Wednesday, which is the open mic night. They're having to run the first round Tuesday and Wednesday because so many people have entered. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's so. so many. I mean, comedy's everywhere. Stand up, <clears throat> all facets of it. I mean, and it's 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 great. You know, it's great in the sense that like. 
the national eyes on it, but it only means that the second comedy bust is on its way too. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that I don't fret about, like I think, you know, I say that and people are like, ah, you know, why you got to bring up the negative? It's not a negative thing because when the first comedy bust happened in the early nineties, it spawned the original alternative comedy movement. You know, it spawned the, that's where guys like Patton and like Mitch Hedberg and, you know, Janine Garofalo and Sarah Silverman and, you know, that's uh, David Cross and, you know, Bob Oden, that's where they all came from. They all came out of that, like, you know, so it's like, that's almost exciting to see what's, where it's going to go once that happens, if it ever happens. Because, I mean, podcasts are now sort of a standard and they're great and I'm glad they exist because it's a, it's a medium that AM radio did kind of fucking, you know, destroy and make it its own. It kind of, you know, I'm not going to say ruined it, because it, not AM, just AM, not time as well, but morning DJs, you know, sort of kind of put like a negative spin, on, you know, on the idea of uh, broadcasting. But then podcasts brought back the whole, like, no, 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 look, it can be done. This is how it's supposed to be done. And look at, and it's great, you know? Yeah. Podcasts, I think, are wonderful. But those are, I mean, as long as podcasts are around, comedy will be around, and vice versa, you know? Yeah. Um, Getting back to New Orleans for a, a second, um, my uh, oh, sure, sure. my old oh no, just want to say my, my oldest daughter was just there with her uh, school marching band, and as m- uh, most listeners of the show oh. know, her as Fangirl. Uh, Fangirl was down there, loved it, and uh, wants to go back. And uh, you know who else is? You may not may or may not know this, but uh, a comedian who is obsessed with New Orleans, uh, Jake Johansson. Oh yeah, yeah really? That's yeah, awesome. yeah. He I was on. He was on Jackie Cation's podcast, The Dork Forest, uh, about six months ago. Talking everything because mm-hmm. people go on her show to talk about you know their uh, nerdy obsessions. His is New Orleans. He went down there I guess I think ten years ago or so just to do a gig or something. Fell in love with it. Goes every year. Takes vacation. Takes stops touring. Just goes down. Spends a week there. Going to the blues bars and just hanging out and and you know living in the city. Yeah, I mean Hannibal too. Hannibal Burris. I mean he kind of became obsessed with the city so much so that like when he goes there now people just assume he lives there. Oh yeah. People are just like, oh, oh yeah, Hannibal. Where's you, where do you live now? And they expect him to say, you know, oh, Esplanade Avenue. And he's like, oh, New York. But he just goes there. So I mean, that's the that's the beauty of that city is, you know, I love New York. You know, I love it to pieces, and I love you know a lot of cities in, in the states. I mean, but New Orleans had a sort of like escapist. Uh, like you can go there and do shows and yes. get in on the the comedy, or go there to shoot a movie or a TV show, or go there. There's so many, there's a thousand different reasons to go there, but you can also escape. You can also just ride a bike to a park uh, or just walk up and down Magazine Avenue or walk up, walk around the Marigny and the Bywater or just, you know, just enjoy life Yeah. in a way that a lot of places don't offer, you know? Yeah. And it's, it'll always, I hope, I hope it will always be like that. It'll always have that sort of just like magical touch. You really do feel it. And I, I feel a lot of times when I say that, you know, people are like, oh, well, you're from there, you know, but it's like, yeah, okay, oh. true. But a lot of, I know a lot of people who are from a lot of places who don't really feel that way about their home. Yeah. You know, who don't oh, yeah, really say, totally. yeah, you know, and it's, 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 it's like when you meet people from like New York who are like, I grew up there, I'm over it. And I'm like, are you? Well, how, there's so much that you probably don't even know about New York. It's huge and it's beautiful, but you know, like New Orleans is a tiny little gem in Louisiana. Cause Louisiana is an awful place, but New Orleans 
is a fantastic place. It's the same thing as like Austin. Austin is a oh yeah 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 great 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 city, but it's in Texas, and that will always be the problem with Austin. Whereas New Orleans sort of has the same thing, where it's like ah, but you're in fucking Louisiana. But for the most part, I mean, I just I tell anyone go there. You know, just go there with no plan. Don't don't plan anything. I think that's the problem with a lot of tourists in general is they go with a plan and then they live by an itinerary the whole time they're there. And they kind of, I don't think you're going to get the full, any city really, but specifically New Orleans. Go there, get a hotel room, get a, get a small bed and breakfast in the quarter or in the Marigny and just don't have a plan. Just walk around and let the city guide. That's the same thing I'd say for New York too, but oh, yeah. I'm not a, you know, I feel like I'm writing a tourist Here's my tour. Sean Patton tourism guy. <laughs> there you go. Go somewhere. That could be your next just show. Wander around. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, because New Orleans has always kind of had that mystique of it's one of those places where people always say, "Well, you can go there and reinvent yourself." And and I think it's true for that town, just from what I know. Oh, even yeah. though, but there's really only a handful of towns that can say that, and that would be New York, New Orleans, yeah, Vegas, Los Angeles, maybe San Francisco. That's about it. Maybe yeah. Austin, but I think, but really, I think just those five cities. Uh, can you really do that? I mean, yeah, sure, you could probably go to Phoenix or Seattle and reinvent yourself, or maybe even Portland, but I don't think it has that, you know, the, the cachet that New Orleans does, that real huge mix of cultures. Cause, but, yeah, I mean, you've got, like, the French heritage and the, uh, you know, the American history and, and then a little bit of Spanish in there, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> you know, it, it, and the truth is about the French Quarter is that, you know, when you go there, it was originally built by the French, true, but it was occupied and rebuilt by the Spanish. So it's yeah. really, it's more Spanish cult, uh, architecture than French, but it just retained the name, the French Quarter. And it's just, it's just some walking around there, you're just like, ah, you just, you know, because people always associate Bourbon Street with the French Quarter, which, yeah. is, uh, which is right, it is in the French Quarter. <laughs> like, it is like the main, the middle. It's like directly in the middle. It's the middle strip of it. It divides the French Quarter, Bourbon Street, but um, it's not. It's a, it. That's all it is. Is one of the streets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's <clears throat> it, there's so much more going on than Bourbon. I, you could take someone to the French Quarter and never ever go do anything on Bourbon. Just cross it. Because you have to cross it at some point, but like, yeah, take them everywhere else in the quarter, and they'd have the greatest time of their life. It's just not a. It's there's so much more than just that, you know. But it's also Bourbon Street. The way I, you could describe it is every local in New Orleans hates bourbon. It's like, oh fuck bourbon, yuck. But if the you know mayor of New Orleans made an announcement like, all right, we're going to shut Bourbon Street down, every single local would rally against it. Like, no, you will not. And then when the mayor finally said, okay, we're not going to do that anymore, they'd, just, they'd be like, the local would say, okay, good, and still never go there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, we as a New Orleanian, you appreciate the existence of Bourbon Street. You understand why it needs to be there, but you also just avoid it. Yeah. I would, um, having never been there, I, I could still uh, under, understand that completely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, never been? No, never been. Uh, been to Louisiana before, never been to New Orleans. And I almost went on the trip as a chaperone with my daughter, but we we could barely afford to get her there uh, on this thing. But, yeah, like I said, she loved How it. How old is so your she, daughter? She is uh, 16. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. She's, 
So that's it. And she, what, what, what instrument does she play? Uh, she was playing the vibes, and now she, I have a huge uh, drum sitting in my family room right now. She's switching over to drums. They, she, uh, she quit marching band to focus on drama, and the, they begged her to come back to the band because of her uh, experience. And uh, ah. it's, a, it's a competitive marching band. They, they are in competitions every weekend. And the band director said, usually we uh, tell people, if you're going to quit, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. And she missed the mm -hmm. pr first spring practice, and he called her to her office and said, it wasn't the same without Hannah there. So That's awesome, man. And, I and know, that's right? the thing, too. I mean, like the marching band, there's a, there's a famous marching band in New Orleans, St. Augustine, the St. Aug marching band. And, um, it, it, you know, a lot of people will say that's what all those movies like drumline, that's what it's all based off St. Aug. Okay. Um, but cause they, you know, they, they, they're, they during Mardi Gras, they march in all the big parades and it's the thing that they will march and then they will stop. They will stop the parade, you know, and they will do the St. Aug will do the routine for like, you know, five minutes and people are just losing their, their mind. It's a beautiful thing to see. Um, so the fact that your daughter gets to go down and be a part of, you know, it's a big culture there. So oh, I'm yeah. glad she liked it. Um, so comedy-wise, what are you talking about on stage these days when you do get to b get back on stage? I find myself um, uh, very against my own uh, years, years and years of instinct, uh, sort of going up on stage now without a, a, a defined set list. I mean, for for years, I mean, I had my set list. I knew exactly when I was going to say what it was, you know, very scripted on stage. And I, you know, I, and I, I, I still think that's ultimately the way one should be on stage is have a map. Um, but lately I guess I've been feeling like I want to challenge myself more because I feel like audience, I feel like an audience enjoys a set, the more a comedian enjoys a set. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. The more fun I'm having on stage, the more fun they're going to have in the audience. And, yeah, I have fun when I would be scripted. It was fun. But there are times where, especially when you do a club where you're doing two shows in the night and you're doing six shows at the club over the week or six or seven shows, you know, there's a part of me that always sort of started to think about, well, what about the staff? And what about people who maybe seen me before? Yeah. Like, I don't want them to have to listen to the same thing over and over again. So... For me, it's lately I've just been, you know, I, I of course have, you know, bits that I know I'm going to do on stage eventually at some point. But lately I've been like, no, I just, just go and be, in, I just want to go on stage and just be in the room and just like, I don't like doing crowd work. That's not necessarily what I mean. Just because crowd work, I feel like you give too much. You do crowd work for too long. I mean, some people like Jimmy Pardo, for example. Oh, yeah. Is a, guy, is a genius, and that's what he does, crowd work. Yep. He's great. He's amazing at it. He's, he's arguably the best at it. And I get, I'm just a little, I'm shy. That's the truth. Like, when it comes to, like, one-on-one -on -one conversation, even if it's in front of an audience with a microphone, I can get a little shy. So I sort of just, I go on stage nowadays and just sort of let my just open up and it's going here, here, here it is. Here's what I was thinking about 10 minutes ago. Here's something today that made me think that, you know, I just, I just sort of, you know, but I'm also, I also take a very hard notice of how I'm doing. Cause I also don't 
I'm not that guy who gets on stage and just riffs, and if it goes nowhere, just keep riffing and then blame the audience for not getting it. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's, it's still my job is to entertain them and to, you know, if I can, open their minds up a little bit if it's possible. So I, uh, and I'm not saying, like, they can't be as open-minded as me. I don't mean that. I mean just I enjoy, I enjoy making the people laugh at things they don't want to laugh at. Ah. And, you know, one of the best reactions I've ever... I, one of my favorite reactions is someone sitting in the audience laughing politely but holding back the real laughter. Like, I can see it on their face. Like, they want to really laugh at something I just said, but they feel like, oh, should I be laughing at that? And so, but then they're giving me the polite laughter. So, <laughs> it's a funny dichotomy. Um, but, you know, these days I find I'm just a little, I'm being a little more freewheeling. And I'm enjoying it, so I hope people are as well. Cool, man. All right. Well, yeah. um, so how much will you be touring uh, this year out of case? Because you have the show, of course, that you're doing, and you're, you're just getting back to uh, getting on stage. Um, what's, what's your tour schedule like, out of curiosity? I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, now the show's wrapped. Um, the next month, I'm just kind of going to, you know, I'm coming in June. You know, I'll be at Acne in June. And then after Acne, I'm, I'm going to just kind of take the month of June to be here in New York and just work, you know, just work on material, just really, you know, do 15 sets a week and just jam out, really, really grind. Um, and then July, I'm going on a, a tour um, over the summer, uh, like a nine-city jaunt. And then in, uh, in August... Uh, I'm doing some clubs in August, and then in the fall, I'm going to Sweden for a couple of weeks to oh, neat. perform in Sweden. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I'm, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. So I mean, I'm, I'm still, um, you know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna stop touring. Uh, it's just right now, it's, you know, I'm trying to figure out when and where and for how long. But you know, for the rest of the year, that's pretty much what I will be doing is just touring as nonstop as I can be. All right. Well, sounds good, man. Yeah. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, hope we'll see you back here in Cincinnati sometime soon as well. I know you were here within the past year or so. So, but yeah, uh, I was there uh, last summer with uh, Nate Craig and Carlton Ain. Oh, there you go. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I'm actually going to be. I, I don't know when, but I think I'm going to be there in the fall. So sounds I hope because I love I love go bananas. One yes. of my favorites. Cool, man. Well, we'll uh, mm. we'll say hi in person then. Absolutely, P.S. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. All right, Sean, buddy. Talk to you later. Hey, right, Bye-bye. Thanks again to Sean Patton for being on the show. You can catch Sean on his Broad City Tour. It's winding up here. Uh, November 18th at Walters Downtown in Houston, the Kessler Theater in Dallas, Texas. And that wraps up the tour. And then he heads out to San Diego to do a series of dates at the American Comedy Company there, November 28th through the 30th. And then December 9th, for you folks in Los Angeles, he is at the Nerd Melt Showroom. For all things Sean Patton, go to Sean Oliver Patton. That's all one word, of course, dot com. And that'll fill you in on everything you need to know about Sean. All right. So uh, before we get to the uh, playout track by the Tigers, I would, of course, uh, tell you to like the podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. PF tape recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. And let me see. Oh, original music, of course, composed and performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. And speaking of music, of course, we did the fake bands thing a couple weeks ago. It was very popular. We heard from one of the uh, fake bands or a, a person that wrote music for one of the fake bands more accurately. 
And then, of course, Tony Dancy of Tony's Tigers. I think they're just the Tigers, actually. I think the Internet uh, misnamed them Tony's Tigers. I think they're always just the Tigers there in Milwaukee and so forth. But anyway, he, he sent me the CD uh, of the stuff they recorded a few years ago, trying to get back in the game a little bit. And uh, I had mentioned that the one song we played, How, How Long Does It Take, uh, kind of sounded very Crosby, Stills, and Nash-esque. And he emailed me this week and said, you know, that wasn't an accident. Uh, we were, it was kind of an homage to those guys. So um, uh, this other track, uh, I was kind of trying to decide which track to play last week, and it came down to two. I'm going to play the other track I was going to play. Uh, this song is called It's Never Too Late. And I think this one, uh, I don't really, it doesn't really sound like anybody in particular, but it does sound like it sounds like something they would have written back when they were the in-house songwriters over there at Screen Gems slash Hanna-Barbera uh, there back in the early 70s. So this will be our playout song. This is uh, The Tigers, Never Too Late. So long and thanks for listening. Too late. 